Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Thank you, JJ, for that introduction. And I also want to thank all my listeners. We're now in close to 60 different countries, which of course indicates very strongly that there are a lot of people that want the message of hope. Doesn't matter where we are, who we are, we need the message of encouragement and hope. And what this show does, Never Ever Give Up Hope, is just that. We talk to people who have gone through experiences in their own lives that have made them feel hopeless in many different situations, and they've turned their lives around. They were able to not only soar above those circumstances, but also many of them have written books and or blogs and share how from tips and what they have learned through their own experiences, how you too can overcome those hopeless circumstances. So again, I thank you. My guests are always awesome. I appreciate them so much, and I appreciate getting to know them both before and after the interview. So with us today, we have John Stolpe. He is an author and an active blogger. We're going to talk about both his books and his blog today. The name of his blog is Stretched, and he's going to share where that name came from as well as what it indicates, which is focusing on challenging both himself and others to stretch out of their comfort zones. I personally have lived out of my comfort zone for so long, I don't know where it is anymore, and I think there are people out there who are challenged constantly, and by stretching themselves, they learn how to cope and deal with those Uh, those circumstances very quickly. So John is also an athlete, which may also indicate a little bit of what his blog is about and his name. And he's going to share his own experiences both on and off the track. Now, he asks this question. Do you ever feel like your life is off track? I think every listener can say yes to that. There are times when we all feel that things aren't going our way. His book, which is entitled On Track, Life Lessons from the Track and Field, provides practical life lessons anyone can embrace. So much that he is going to share with us. And welcome, John. Thank you so much for having me, Carol. It's an honor and privilege to be on your show. We're going to talk about your book. Of course. But first of all, I'd like to ask you about that one time in your life 
there may be more than one time, but one that sticks out in particular, when you thought everything was going your way and then something happened to your wife. Can you share what happened there, please? Sure. A little bit about myself first. I'm an engineer by background, and I work in the construction industry in the Philadelphia area. For the most part, things have come fairly easily to me, I I think. Um, When I graduated from college, I had a decision to make. And part of it was, should I go into full-time engineering in the workforce or should I go into full-time missions? It was something that I prayed about and grappled about quite a bit. And I decided that there was a mission field no matter where I went to go into the construction world. And I've been working in this industry for 20, 22 years, I guess. Wow. Now I sound old. Um, But at any rate, I still had a heart for missions. There was still something in me that wanted to do extended missions of some sort overseas. And my wife and I, a little over six years ago, were starting to plan to go to Africa, to Nairobi, Kenya, where we were going to be serving in the slums, um, one of the poorest areas in the world, really, in, in that area. And we were excited about it. We were raising money to go to, to Kenya with a group from our church. And things were, things were clicking along. We had the money raised. We had given our deposits and our basically we had paid for the trip. And then my wife's health started to unravel. And as it got closer to the trip, we could sense that it probably wasn't a smart idea to go overseas, especially to a third world country where we weren't sure what the health care would be, just in case something were to happen to my wife. And about four weeks before the trip, I had to call up our a missions pastor and explained to him that I didn't think that we should be going. And that was such a hard decision uh, because, you know, for one, I had my dream of mm. serving in that capacity. Uh, but two, you know, I lo- we lost all of that money that people had given us. We didn't have travel insurance or missions insurance or anything like that. And it was really humbling to have to go back to people and say, hey, you know, I apologize, but something came up here. Um, so they, they went on the trip. Our team went on the trip. And then a couple of weeks later, my wife actually had to be hospitalized. Really? And it was a really hard time. It was extremely tough. Honestly, at that point, I never thought that overseas missions was ever going to be possible again. Um, I just figured that we were going to have to kind of stay close to home and be careful and monitor how things were going uh, because it's not something that just goes away. It's treatable, but it's something that my wife will have to deal with for the rest of her life in some form or another. And um, it's basically a, in the mental health world. It's, you know, along those lines. And uh, that was tough. You know, for one, it's not something that's understood necessarily in the broader mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it was fairly new to us. We weren't sure how to, you know, how to take it and what our new boundaries needed to be on life. So fast forward a couple years later, and there, I guess there must have still been a passion for overseas missions in, in my heart. And my youth pastor 
at the church where my kids go and, and my wife and I go, came to me and he said, hey, would you consider going to Guatemala with us <laughs> for a trip to chap- to be one of the chaperones for 30 teenagers as we serve over there? And I'm like, Adam, you are crazy. I mean, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's what I'm saying in my head. Right. <laughs> because I just couldn't imagine leaving the safe confines of Pennsylvania where I live and traveling that far away from my family and from communication that was readily available and just all, all that mm-hmm. to leave to leave my wife and son at home for a week and a half where I couldn't I couldn't just get back at the drop of a hat. Mm-hmm. So um, I prayed a lot about it. I talked to my parents. I talked to my wife. I talked to my wife's parents. I talked to some really great friends and we prayed about it. And I made a leap of faith. And I decided to go to Guatemala for a week and a half. And, and when was this, John? That would have been in 2012. Okay. In July of 2012. And it changed my life, that trip. Isn't that amazing? So what happened? Well, part you mentioned in the introduction that I'm a blogger, and that's true. And I needed to raise funds very quickly to go to go, to go on this trip. And so I, I, I asked my blogging community if they would be willing to jump on board with this trip. And I also threw out a bigger question. I said, for some reason, I think that we're supposed to do something bigger as a blogging community hmm. down there while I'm there. So I'm not sure exactly what it is, but I think that, you know, if I could raise an additional $5,000, I think God will make it pretty obvious what we're supposed to do. And so wouldn't you know, within six hours of that post going live, I got a call from a college friend of mine saying, hey, John, this is your buddy, John, from college, (laughs) and my wife and I have been talking. I saw your post this morning, and we want to pay for your trip, and we want to pay that $5,000. Are you kidding? I'm not kidding. Oh, my goodness. So for What did you say? (laughs) uh, Well, after I picked my jaw up off the floor, (laughs) um, I obviously thanked him. I hadn't talked to him in 15 years. Oh, wow. So the fact that... He saw that post and he and his wife had been trying to process how they might be able to get involved and help others serve in that capacity was just, uh, it was an answer to prayer. It was a blessing. Uh, There was just a lot of things about it that were um, just life-changing. It really opened my eyes to to see how God provides um, in times that we least expect it. So we went, we went there and I was able to raise another $3,000 and we actually built a house down in Guatemala while I was there and it was paid for all by my blogging community. (laughs) And this is for when you are there or was it for a specific purpose? That was for when I was there. So we, the teenagers that I went with and the adults that came along, we all built a house in two and a half days as part (laughs) of our trip. And it, it that house changed the lives of a family down in the village of Shenico, Santo Domingo, Shenico in Guatemala. And so I've been back there two other times since then, and I've had the chance to visit with that family. And it is so neat to see how their lives have changed. And, I, you know, all we did is just listen to God 
and we gave that family a little bit of a boost. They, so you're, are you saying that they're living in the house? They are living okay. in the house, okay. and they are, um, you know, they're they have jobs now, and they're providing for their family, and they're not getting rained on, and they're sleeping in comfortable beds. Mm. It's just really great to see. So our family is getting ready to go back down there again this summer for two weeks. And I can't wait to run into that family and say hello. No kidding. Um, and then we've, we've since then built two more houses down there uh, for two other families. And we're looking forward to seeing them. Um, this year, we will build at least one house. It kind of depends. If we get more funds than that, we'll build more than one. But uh, we're in the process of trying to get ready for that trip now. Now, are you raising this money on your blog again? I am. I posted about it a couple weeks ago, and I need to put a sidebar up on my on the sidebar on my menu so that people can see kind of track the progress on okay. that. Okay. So I will do that probably in the next day or two and have that up. And this is to provide people with homes who have no homes. Right. Or they're crammed into us into tight quarters with, you know, a larger family. So we can it we're typically seeking out widows. And widows in the Mayan culture are the bottom of the barrel. They are treated like trash, really. And so the fact that we can go in and provide a house for a widow and her family mm. really it serves as a way to transform them and boost them up. The neat thing is that in this village of Shenico, there are probably about 180 widows there right now. And wow. those there's been a community that's been established because of the missions work that has been going on there that have knit those widows together and restored their place in society because of what has gone on there, not just from the house building, but hmm. from other things that are going on there for the last few several years. And so you go down as a group again? Well, yes and no. The last two times, I just took my family. So I took my wife and my two kids. We have two teenagers. And we went down the first year, and we met another family down there that we had never met before. And we served meals to kids, and we surveyed another area that the missionary we work with was considering um, expanding to. And we also widowed, uh, ministered to the widows in the village. So that was pretty neat. We had a big party for them that first year that we went as a family and really had the opportunity to pray with them and serve them. Uh, it was just really a neat experience. The next year we went back again, and that's when we built two houses in a week, which is pretty crazy when you think about that. Just our family. Mm -hmm. okay. And uh, we hired a couple locals, which is pr a pretty cool story as well. Our goal is not to, you know, simply do everything for the people there in Shenico. We want to simply provide them with a boost. And it's, it was neat to be able to have the widow's family helping us, but also have some locals and be able to pay some locals to help with our project. Isn't it incredible how circumstances do come into our lives so that from something that was probably very negative at the time turned into something that you never would have guessed in a million years. And it's not only positive for yourself and your family, but look who you're helping. Yeah, absolutely. And it, 
you know, it it doesn't just happen in Guatemala. It happens at home all the time mm-hmm. because now my wife and I have a perspective on the mental health world that a lot of people don't have. And it gives us the opportunity to show compassion and empathy towards people who might be struggling with one aspect or another of maybe it's depression or maybe it's um, something else where Mm -hmm. um, they just don't necessarily know who to lean on or who to even just talk to. And we've been able to be helpful in that arena um, more than we ever imagined. We knew that God would use the circumstances we were going through to help other people. We just didn't know what it was going to look like. Well, mental health issues are so often debilitating and not recognizable from the outside. Right. And so people, go ahead. No, go ahead. I I was just going to say people, people discredit it sometimes, not realizing that it is debilitating and um, just, it's like a prison. It really is. And I'm, I'm happy to say that my wife is doing extremely well now. Uh, that doesn't mean she doesn't have her ups and downs, but, you know, through medication, through therapy, through time, through f- the help that we've had from our family and our friends and our church family, uh, we really have been able to return to to normal life. Now, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, she's always going to have some medication that she needs to take and things like that. Um, and we, we realize that that's part of the deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we look forward to... Uh, we look forward to the next life when, you know, when those things won't be required anymore. <laughs> That's right. That's right. The, the other thing I was going to mention to you is that we started a group called Hope. And I thought it was very um, interesting that the name of our group, Hope, ties in with the theme of your show. Yes, it does. That's right. Uh, we, we call our group Hope and Hope for our group stands for helping other people everywhere. Oh, that's wonderful. And we meet twice a month with a group of people. And so actually two nights ago, Tuesday night, we met together with our hope group at our house and we shared dinner with them and we had a time of devotion. And then we did a service project right at our house where we will give that to another organization in the coming weeks But then the next time we get together, we go out and serve somewhere in the community together as a group. And it's not just for adults. We have included our kids along with it. And so they've gotten the opportunity to serve at nursing homes, at soup kitchens, at food pantries, at men's shelters, at uh, therapeutic riding centers for um, horseback riding for the disabled, at, at all kinds of different places. And our goal is to share hope with other people. But quite frankly, uh, those ministries and those opportunities to serve have given us a lot of hope. I was going to say, every time that you give out, you know, you always get back a hundredfold. It's just, it's reciprocal. And that's wonderful to see. It's so wonderful to see how you're including the teenagers and letting them see the other side of life. And then be a part of making that side better. That's a phenomenal opportunity for them that will go with them the rest of their lives. And it'll be, they'll be paying it forward. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is part of our hope. As parents, we want to be intentional. and We want to do the best job pointing them at the right target. And then 
you know, knowing that they will fly, hoping that they will fly straight, you know, when we release them from our bow. That's right. That's always our hope. <laughs> now, tell us about your book and your name, Stretched. <laughs> so, so why don't I start with Stretch? So okay. Stretch uh, was a nickname that I picked up late in high school. When I was uh, starting my junior year of high school, I was five foot six inches. And now I am almost six feet six inches. I'm a quarter <laughs> inch short of six feet six inches. So I'm still trying to stretch a little bit more <laughs> to see if I can get that quarter inch. So you um, grew up. <laughs> so I did. And people, car- people started calling me stretch late in high school. And even now, I'm often one of the taller people in a room when I walk in. Mm-hmm. Uh, the funny thing is, is that my 15 year old son is going to catch me here soon. No He's get, way. getting very close. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if he'll take on the stretch name or, you know, what he will do with that, but he's going to be taller than me. I'm pretty sure. That's amazing. Um, so the nickname kind of came from there. Mm-hmm. I started blogging almost nine years ago and I was trying to figure out when I, when somebody invited me into the blogging world, I was trying to figure out how it was going to theme my blog. And for some reason I went back to that nickname stretch. And I, I thought that stretch would be a good metaphor or theme for my blog. It's a place where I can share life's stretch marks, the things that Mm. have stretched me. But I also hope that it's a way that I can help stretch other people in a good way. That's a nice way to put it. I like that. So that's kind of, that's the basic theme of my Mm -hmm. blog. I write on there about leadership, about personal growth. I write a lot about family and I write about missions. Um, So those are some of the themes that kind of pop up over and over again on my blog. And your book. My book, I released in April of 2014 and it is called On Track, Life Lessons from the Track and Field. And this book kind of came about for a couple reasons. I was working on another book project that I haven't released yet about short-term missions. And I realized that that was a bigger project than I was ready to get into without learning a little bit more about the book writing industry. So I had written a few posts about track and field and some of the observations that I've made as I've been hanging around the track with my kids, my daughter is a big runner. She's, she just had a track meet yesterday that I went to and she's getting ready to graduate from high school and she's planning to run in college. So I have a feeling I'll be hanging around the track (laughs) world for a few more years, but I I just started observing what was going on there. And this book really was an opportunity to me for me to reflect and connect the track world with the world of faith. Um, So I I broke the book into eight chapters. And the first chapter, it starts out talking about lessons from the starting blocks. And if you're not familiar with the track world, most sprinters use starting blocks when they start a race. They kneel down and they get all set up in these blocks and they use the blocks to push off and propel them down the track. And I was, as I was watching some of the sprinters warm up and get ready for the track, uh, for the starting blocks in their race, I saw that 
they were doing a few things. So, for example, they were dressed correctly. They weren't wearing baggy sweatpants or heavy clothing. They were wearing light clothing. I noticed that they were listening to the officials to make sure that they knew what the the details were, what the instructions were that they needed to follow in order to compete successfully. I noticed that once they got into the starting blocks, they were very still. Hmm. And then I noticed that they were listening so that as soon as that starter's gun went off, they were ready to go. They stood up immediately and were running down that track as fast as possible. And when I stepped back, I realized that that's really how we need to approach life. We need to make sure that when we're approaching life, we need to make sure we're dressed appropriately. In Ephesians 6, the Apostle Paul talks about wearing the armor of God and being clothed correctly. <laughs> and that that goes very well with what a sprinter needs to wear when they step mm. to the starting lines. Um, there's a passage in Psalms that talks about being still and knowing that he is God. And we need to make sure that we're practicing the discipline of stillness in our lives. I don't know about you, but I'm terrible at this. <laughs> I, I am on the go all the time. Mm. I get up at four in the morning and I usually don't go to bed until 1030 or 11. And every moment in between there is filled with something. <laughs> So being still is something that I need to work on. Mm-hmm. I, I am being stretched by that concept. Um, so that's that relates to a sprinter being still. I need to be still. I need to be alert to the calling that God has in my life, whether it's going to Guatemala or whether it's talking to one of my team members here at my job or whether it's uh, walking across the street and having a conversation with a neighbor. I need to make sure that I'm always alert for the opportunities that uh, God has put in my path. So those are just some of the analogies and some of the connections that I've made just in that first chapter. And it flows throughout the rest of the book. I talk about hurdles. I talk about the long jump. I talk about training and practicing. I talk about running long distance races. And I talk about making sure that we finish strong. And those are just some of the themes that came out as I wrote this book. And, and I'm really proud of it. It's, uh, it was a neat opportunity for me to learn more about writing a book, to learn how to publish it, and to learn to deal with an editor and a book designer, a cover designer. Um, there's just a lot of neat variables that, uh, that stretched me. Well, it also, um, in talking about the track world, for example, which I know nothing about, but everything you said, I easily could relate to. And so whether you're an athlete or not, it sounds like any and everyone can relate to your book and what it represents in life. Absolutely. And I've gotten that comment from a lot of different people. They have picked up the book. They first of all comment on how cool the cover looks. And then they say, you know, this book was so easy for me to read mm. and it, and I'm not a track athlete, but what you had to say was spoke, was, spoke to me very clearly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it doesn't, I'm an engineer. I could use big words, I suppose, <laughs> but that's not my style. It's an approachable writing style. I hope. I think it will be because that's the way you're talking and that's what makes it approachable is simplicity. 
Yep. And that's, you know, that's one of the things that um, people have said about the book. So it's been, a, it's been a good, it's been a good process for me and learning, uh, learning opportunity for me as I approach some of my next writing endeavors. Now, you mentioned a couple things in your bio and on your website that I noticed regarding stepping out of your comfort zone. Is this in reference to what you are doing in in the organization Hope by helping others, or what are you referring to? Honestly, I think it's in every area of my life. I, I want to make sure that I am living a life with intention. There's a, I don't know if you're familiar with Tony Campolo. Yes. He's a noted sociologist and professor at Eastern University. Several years ago, he did a survey on people who were, I think, over the age of 95, maybe. And he asked them a question. If you had to change something about your life, or if you had life to do over again, how would you do it differently? And there were three main themes that came out of that, the survey responses. One was they would reflect more. They would take time to, to listen and to, to process what was going on in their lives. Two, they would risk more. They would take more risks. They wouldn't sit in their comfort zone. And three, they would do more to leave a legacy. And those survey results really speak to me. I, I don't want to reach the end of my life and realize that I had just lived in the comfort zone. I had just lived in the easy gear. I want to make sure that I have stretched, that I've helped others stretch, that I've left a legacy, that I've done something that matters with my life. And it sounds like you're on the right track. Excuse the pun. (laughs) (laughs) I hope so. I'm not perfect. I know that for certain. Well, that's good news. My my wife will tell you that too, and I'm sure my kids will. I've um, I've never met a perfect person, so you'd be the first. (laughs) Right. But that's my intention. That's definitely my intention. Anything you want to share that you haven't already, whether it's, you know, about any aspect of what we discussed today or any call to action that you have for our listeners? Well, one of the I came out with a seven week stretch challenge a few months ago, and it's something that people can sign up for on my blog if they just go to johnstolpe.com and search seven week stretch. That's an easy place to sign up. But one of the things in response to your question that is part of that challenge, one of the weeks I concentrate on trying something new. And I would encourage your listeners to try something new. I don't know what it could be. It could be something very simple. It Mm. could be something that just involves a few minutes of your day. But it could be something more dramatic. It could mean going to Guatemala. (laughs) Um, but I would, I think that there's something healthy about doing something that stretches us and gets us out of our comfort zone. It also, doing, keep, it also keeps us younger. It does. Although I'm starting to get the gray hairs here. Oh, so I'm come not on, sure, John. <laughs> <laughs> you, I interrupted you. You were starting to say something else you recall. I was just going to say, I think that trying something new every day is a great way to, um, you know, to just live a life that, that will give us hope, that will broadcast hope to others around us, and that will um, just stretch us. 
Well, the message you're giving is one that we all need to hear because not only are our lives busier than ever, any previous generation, but um, we also need to pay more attention to our neighbors because we're becoming cocooning, you know, where we are more concerned about our own selves and our own life and our own world. And what you're saying is to expand that, to open that up, to step out of not just your comfort zone in trying something new, but also in extending a helpful hand and bringing hope to other people. And there's so much that can be said along that. I mean, you, you've just touched on the surface, I'm sure. So I encourage our listeners to, I'm definitely going to go to the seven-week stretch. And I'm excited and I'm hoping that this will challenge our listeners to do the same thing. And to take a look at, at your your site while we're there and also to to buy your book. Because that obviously is going to be full of life lessons, like you said, and would go right right along with with what you're challenging us in your blog, correct? Absolutely. And I would love to connect with any of your listeners. If they want to drop me an email or send a comment through the blog, um, I love the interaction that happens in that community. I I, I just wanted to follow up on one of the things you said, um, one of the points that you really took away from our conversation here today. Um, I love the fact that I've been able to connect with people like Carol Um, through the blog world and through podcasting and radio interviews and things like that. And and I don't want to diminish that at all. I've met some incredible people that way. I agree. But do not lose sight of the people who are right around you. So many great people. And I have had a chance to meet some of them face to face. And, you know, I'm thankful for this time of culture and society that we live in where we can connect with people from around the world. I, I, I know in your introduction, you mentioned that you, you're connected to over 60 countries. And that's it. That's a neat thing. You know, we live, the world mm-hmm. is getting smaller in mm-hmm. many respects. And we, I don't want to say that that's a bad thing, but we just need to make sure that we keep that in check. We need to make sure we were meant for community. I truly believe that. And, and I think that the best community happens when we're rubbing shoulders with people, when we're looking at people eye to eye and we're able to see what's going on in their faces and we're able to give them a helping hand and we're able to do things um, that just show them that we care in, in a practical, hands-on approach. Thank you so much for sharing that. There's much to that you've provoked many thoughts and well, it's my pleasure. Again, I really appreciate the f- opportunity to connect with you and your listeners, and I appreciate what you are doing. I think that sharing hope and encouraging hope in others is is so important in this life. And we all go through junk. I'm truly convinced that God can work through the junk that we have. That's right. And uh, provide a way that not only... Uh, Give, allows us to have hope, but allows us to share that with others. And I think that's what you're doing here. And on that note, John, we're going to say goodbye, but not forever. Let's stay connected. Everything will be in the show notes, you know, that we discussed today and also your your interview and your site, etc. So people can go directly to it and connect with you in 
any way, shape, or form that they would like. I thank you for your gracious interview. Very heartwarming in many ways and also challenging. So mission completed. Thank you, Carol. (laughs) Thank you and goodbye. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.